0: Welcome to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Cast. We've got our, our regular guest back in this week, Grogadok and Lounge, lounge Lizard. Gee, that was a tongue twister. Welcome back, boys.
1: Thanks for having me again. Thanks, thanks Michael. Thanks for having me back.
0: No worries at all. And as what uh, typically happens with the episodes that we do, we usually talk for about 10 minutes beforehand and then think, oh, we may as well just kick off the show talking about what we were just discussing because it was pretty good content. So we'll carry on with the discussion. It was basically surrounding... The, the Tom Lynch factor, as you can imagine, Richmond supporters are getting excited by the prospect of Tom Lynch signing, um, so we were naturally talking about that with the, the photo that obviously came out the other day of Lynch arriving at Melbourne Airport and Neil Baum at the same time, and whether it's just a cruel coincidence or there's something more to it, who knows. Um, but from all reports from various people with various sources, including Grokodoc and Tiger 71, that it sounds like from all reports that it's as much of a done deal as can be done without breaking the rules at this time of the year. Um, Is that pretty much a fair summation of where it's at, Grok? Uh,
1: Yeah, from what I understand personally, uh, talking to a few people with connections at the club, um, basically what I've been told is that it's pretty much a 95% uh, done deal that Lynch will be a Tiger in. Uh, 2019. Um, obviously he can't actually come out and say where he's going yet, uh, because of the whole um regulations with the AFL on you know contracted uh contracted and uncontracted players. Uh, but I know the club is still waiting on the surgery. See how that progresses to see whether or not um they they'll decide to pursue Lynch, uh, which I think is a uh, I think is probably a safe option given we've been sort of burnt by injured players with Yaron um, with and Chris Knights and everything over the past sort of decade. So I think the club right now are just waiting to hear back about the results uh, from his surgery sometime this week, I believe it is. And um, But, yeah, from what, I, from what I understand, it's pretty much a verbal agreement from both sides that Lynch will be in yellow and black uh, next season.
0: You were mentioning that, like him not being able to come out and and say it now. I mean, I don't follow the NRL overly close. I'm not sure if either of you guys do, but I know that in the NRL players come out early on in the season and say, "Oh, look, this is gonna be my last year at the club. I'm moving over to so and so," and they and they keep playing out the year. Is that somewhere where we should look to be getting to, or do we prefer it to be the way we have it, where it stays in house until the right time?
1: Oh. Personally, for me, I think it's probably better for clubs to know up front. I mean, you have a look at all the chaos that uh, it's thrown Gold Coast into this whole season, where it's like, will he, won't he, will he he stay, will he go? And they're in a developmental phase right now. They're they're in a rebuild mode. And if Lynch had to come out uh, at the start of the season and said, you know, I'm leaving at the end of this season, no matter where we finish, that could have given Gold Coast a chance to actually throw 22 games at it at an up-and-coming key forward to replace Lynch in the future because right now with the games Lynch was playing, like, yes, he's probably their best best or second-best player. um, But at the same time, if he's not going to be there for their future, they really should be looking to invest games in players who want to be there and will take them forward. And Lynch, right now, from what I understand, isn't that. And it's probably a blessing in disguise for Gold Coast that he did get injured because now they can actually... You know, start start looking at the players on their list to fill that role, if and when Lynch does leave. Um, so I, I think it's probably better for club and player if they can actually announce early in the season that they're leaving. Um, it, it's also less of a distraction for the clubs as well, especially if they're in finals contention. I mean, we saw what the Dustin Martin circus was like last season. So I think if um, I, I think it's probably best for for everyone involved if it gets announced earlier rather than later.
0: Speaking of the Dusty Martin one, say last year it gets to around 16-17, we're sitting top four, and it comes out and says, look, I'm actually going to take up an offer elsewhere. Would you have wanted him to have been kept in the side, given the form he was in?
1: I, I personally would. I mean, I think the, the biggest difference with Dusty is, I mean you have a look, Dusty stuck around early on when he was getting mad money, getting money thrown at him from GWS in 2012, 2013. And then obviously he did have that little period where he decided to go look, which from what uh, has been reported, that was more Ralph Carr pushing Dusty to search for the, the other offers rather than Dusty saying that he was going to do it himself. So I think if Dusty had a left last, last year to North for the, $1.4 or whatever it was. I don't think we could have been too upset with Dusty uh, leaving. I mean, we, we we know how short a footballer's career is and how, how it can be taken away in an instant if you get a pretty bad injury. I mean, we've seen, you know, Michael Close and everything from Brisbane get severely injured and uh, that's been the end of his career. So I personally wouldn't have begrudged Dusty if he left for that kind of money. Obviously, setting himself up for... Uh, life after football, because who, who knows what's going to happen. But at the same time, a part of me would have been upset and angry that he did de- that he decided to leave. But then at the same time, if he, if he did decide to leave and say at round sixteen, you know, I'm I'm leaving. Take the money. I probably would have played him, but I probably wouldn't have played him in the positions that he he was better at, like that inside mid. I probably would have played him. Per, as a permanent forward at that stage and brought in a, a midfielder probably um, Jack Graham earlier than what we brought him in last season just to see if he could develop into that sort of big inside midfield role.
0: And Lange, this is what's your take on the Lint situation. Is he going to be a good fit if it does come come across that he comes over?
2: It's a really interesting um, topic. I, I, I certainly want us to pursue him and sign him for the obvious reason of we're in a window and we know how fleeting it's it's been for Richmond sports to be in a window. Um, I certainly know, you know, I mean, I I didn't see the glory years of the seventies and eighties and, um, you know, those brief appearances in prelims and I think was it 95 or, and 2001, um, we're a bit before my time, uh, age wise as well. So, we're in the window and we've only got one key for, and he is getting on and he plays his best football up the ground. So, to have someone of Lynch's caliber come in, um, I think, is a no brainer. Uh, the money factor, I'm not too worried about. Uh, you got to pay t- to get quality. Um, and it- it's been quite clear throughout this negotiation period that money is not the be all and end all for him. I think there's been reports that he would even sign for sort of 800,000 to in part of a flag and um, we're seeing guys like Dangerfield sign for unders you know for, for, because it's not the most important thing to him he's made his money at the Gold Coast um, and I think he's he, the impression has been that he, he's made his money he actually does want to come and play in su- some successful sides and the Gold Coast aren't aren't going to be near it um, in his time so um, money's not going to be an issue having him there having him there is going to be Massive. Um, the concern is going to be is a fallout of, of some other players um, in terms of who we might lose. Um, you know, there's been some reports of guys like Townsend being pushed out, and obviously Townsend's a role player who bobbed off at the right time. So there's a bit of, um, you know, there, there's a bit of a, a thing for Townsend to keep him around the club, you know. Uh, certainly, I've seen get back in the side for that reason. Um, but, you know, there's a slight concern about who we're going to lose. I mean, obviously, when you look at the list, Griggs is sort of 30 or going on 30. And likewise with Hall, and he starts to sort of break down with a couple of older man injuries um, of recent. And, of course, Jack's, I think, 29, will be turning 30 next year. So there's a natural turnover in the list. We've already lost Hampson and Griffiths this year. And, of course, after this year, Yaron and um, Delidio's money comes off the books. Um, and, you know, there's talk about Chai Bolton looking around um, and Corey Ellis, I believe, has been linked with, with Hawthorne. Um, so whether we lose players in the natural progression he can fit in, then I think it's going to be great. But I, I, I think there's a little part of me that's, you know, I wouldn't want to lose too many people. Um, but then the Hawthorne model, they successfully brought guys in during their window um, while turning over players and, and it clearly didn't stop them. Um, so for mine I want him there I think we can afford him I think we've got the right natural player turnover over to get him but uh, I think we need to be careful that we we don't go and lose someone like a Townsend who, who's just a great clubman you know and great guy to have around the club um, and as it's been mentioned I think it's all but a done deal I think it's all been all but a done deal for quite some time um, frankly the one that surprises me more is the talk of Stephen May wanting out that that's taken me by surprise
0: speaking of yeah, uh, all, the, all uh, the talk tiger yeah. 71 just inboxed me back saying that he hasn't heard anything else about the footage with Baum, but nothing other than everyone thinks that he's ours so as i said It's interesting on since august and it's
2: interesting on that BAM thing i mean i haven't seen the picture but Baum's too good a mover to uh to be coincidentally running into tom lynch at the airport uh, I think it's been very cleverly done by by Barham, um to do it in a place where he's got a very good alibi about about how how they were together um but then there's been reports as well i mean I've heard from one person saying that uh Lynch was down in Sorrento supposedly having lunch with Eddie Maguire. and then there's tweets coming out that the press year's dad has been being quite vocal about the fact that he's he's signed and sealed so I think there's so much media report that goes on at this point, but I, I tend to agree. I, I think he's ours. Um, and I think it would have been well factored in. And, uh, you know, I, it, it goes to show the change in the club, you know, that a guy like Tom Lynch wants to come. You know, it's been, I can't think of outside of maybe Nathan Brown, the last big coup we pulled from another club. Um, so it's fantastic to see the club as a, the destination place for players. We were not so. I mean, we laugh a bit at, at North um, struggling to to get guys. But it was not that long ago that we couldn't get anyone to we save were our in lives. That position, yeah. To to Maybe. a degree. I mean, the Yaron trade was almost. We have to be seen to be getting someone.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. You're right. We were It wasn't that long ago that we were in their position. So. It is nice that the tables have turned. But um, hopefully, I mean, there's obviously more to play out, and I'm sure we'll discuss it on future episodes as more and more stuff comes to light. But it just it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire kind of things, I think, with Tom Lynch. But we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Just,
1: just on the Lynch thing, um, I, th- I think uh, even Colin would have sort of resigned to the fact that they're not going to get Lynch now because from what I've been reading and hearing, they're actually stepping up their interest in... Stephen May. So, it almost seems that they've put the idea of getting Lynch on the back burner and started focusing more on uh, uh, on Stephen May. So, whether that's them acknowledging that Lynch has all but agreed to us, or they decided that uh, Stephen May probably fits their side better, because we know that Collingwood's uh, key defenders are sort of getting on Lyndon Dunn's. Close to 30s, got injury injuries stuff like that. Their their defense is probably their weakest area in the field. So I think I'm not sure if it, if them targeting um, Stephen May ahead of Tom Lynch is for list reasons or just they're resigned to the fact that they're not going to get Lynch. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us, uh, the player that I wouldn't want to lose uh, to get Lynch is Jaden Short. I think especially we, as as um, Langeles had mentioned with Basha Hooley getting on, and he's getting these constant injuries now. Jaden Short becomes even more critical to us as that attacking halfback flanker. So I think um, if we get Tom Lynch, yeah, that's going to improve us in the forward line. But if we lose Jaden Short, it's going to make a huge dent in into how we transition the ball from um, back fifty, and that, that's where we generally we do like to launch from. So. I think I don't it, know it, what... it's. I think Sorry, it's sort of. Um, it's it's one of those things. It's it's kind of like robbing Peter to pay Paul. If we lose um, short to get Lynch.
2: I don't know what Tiger seventy one has heard in regards to short, and I certainly have no mail. But I mean, I, I've not heard anything um, that that he's he's looking to move uh, or or is unhappy with his spot at the club. Um, I think it's, it's one of these. just the dollar offers on the contract. Yeah, I mean, looking at it objectively, I mean, you know, this is maybe second breakout season. I mean, he was entrenched in inside last year before we came on, and you know, and got you the won't want to get. This. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to sort of get too too carried away with your place. I mean, we've seen a bit with uh, Bolton in recent times, and other players at other clubs as well. I hope that he he's sort of not being asking for too much and getting too carried away. I wouldn't be surprised to see a two year deal potentially. Um, uh, re relook at it. You know, if he can snare a flag or, or something. But I mean, as a observer's view, I'm I, I'm very confident of, of keeping of keeping short.
1: So my I the think one shorts taking the money really out of Dusty's book. Uh, from last year and backed himself to have a good season, postpone it, and then sort of get more money at the end of the season than if he had assigned signed sort of three or four weeks into the season. So I think he, he's probably playing it smart on his end as well. And no
2: doubt we probably know, if Lynch is 95% to us, we probably know what, what he's going to ask and what he's going to be signed for. So I think when they're doing these negotiations with the other players, they know full well what what Lynch will sign for and what they've got to play with. I don't think it's one of these situations where we have to wait and see what Lynch wants. Yeah. I think um, I, th- I think the club will well and truly know where that where that's at. The one I am interested in is Grig. Whether he um whether he goes on whether he goes to another club. I mean, it's been quite evident that he's been slowing up a touch this year. I think Grig always has been a slow player and had seasons where it sort of taken him a, a while to get going. Um, even last year, you know, he played a role. I think you may have actually said a Grock, in the thread somewhere that he played a role very cleverly. Where the opposition rockman were treating him as a second ruckman where now that they're just seeing him as a as a guy who's competing with them, so they're playing indifferently. And I think that's affected his form to a degree that that clubs are not, to a degree, not taking him as seriously because they know what he's there to do. Um. But he's going on. He does want to play on. From all reports, uh, a bit like Hawley, and I, I heard there was someone on the radio there mentioned that Hawley would go to another club to play on. I don't think that's true. I think he will stay. I think Hawley will stay at Richmond either way. Um, but I think Greg will be the interesting one. Whether he potentially tests the waters and, of course, follows his great mate in leads to GWS, um, particularly you know if, if they lose a few more players this off season themselves. Um but then there's been there's interesting talk from Tiger Imposter. Um said he was speaking with someone at Coburg and that Brandon Ellis is is uh the word is that he's likely to go north. Um I don't think be involved in the trade with Lynch. But it'd be interesting to see if he's you know, I don't think his spot in the sides guaranteed. Um or his future at Richmond is, is guaranteed. Uh, I think he's quite a good footballer, but I don't get the impression that he's an entrenched Richmond in, in the Richmond side. I think he's someone we could throw around for currency, maybe for picks to try and peek back into this, I suppose, a super draft. Um, so for mine, I think the only two ones who, who might not like moving on could be Grigg and Ellis.
0: With the Grigg one, I was tagged yeah. in a video on Twitter that he was in an interview recently and, and... Pretty much straight out said that there's no contract offer in place at the moment, so he's not heard anything apparently from the club one way or another. So it probably has a, yeah. a bit of a bit of legs on it that he, you know, he, he might be one that might sort of be a bit unlucky in missing out potentially.
2: But I think he'll be yeah. a great guy to get for a mid-range side. You know, um, come in play for a year or two. He's experienced. He, he's a hard trainer. Um, even potentially go and do a bit of a Luke Hodge style thing where you go up for or a Sam Mitchell approach of go and play for a year or two, even if it's back at somewhere like Carlton. Um, you know, hard training, enforcing into the kids and then going to coaching because I think, I think I I believe that coaching is something he's interested in. Yeah, where that's, not a, that's not a matter for Hawley. Hawley said to me personally I think right when we met them at the training day last year that coaching is absolutely not something he's interested in. He spent a game when he was suspended in the box and said, "Not for him." Yeah. And his his future lo- lies purely in in work with uh, the Muslim community and game young Muslim lads and women in, involved in junior football. Um, and that, that and I think we're very big supporting into that. So I don't think he'll be tempted by a coaching contract where I think Greg Greg could be.
1: Yeah, there's one thing you actually touched on there, Lounge Lizard, before you started talking about Grig, when you were mentioning Brandon Alice being uh, possibly a part of a trade for Lynch up north. Um, I, I personally don't think that Gold Coast will match Tom Lynch's offer as a free agent, only on the simple fact that right now they're currently sitting uh, 17th on the ladder, which is gives them pick two. And if they don't match, they get pick three as well. And I think to them, pick three right now is probably more important than getting a player and a late late first-round pick. Um, If I was Gold Coast, I probably wouldn't match and then take uh, with pick two and pick three, probably take both King boys in the draft because being brothers, they can draft that. They're both big key position lads, so it sort of covers the Lynch um, loss. Uh, in a couple of years time but it's also the fact that if you draft both together they're going to have that support network up north and there's going to be less sort of temptation for them to move back home for homesickness reasons because, because they've also got family up there so I think from a list management point of view I think that's probably a smarter decision long term for Gold Coast rather than matching the offer and forcing a trade
2: and I think there's no doubt that they'll get a round one compensation, even if we offer him 800,000. I mean, we all know that the compensation formula is a complete bollocks that they they make up depending on who's going where. And I think the Gold Coast will get a first round compensation peak, um, even if we yeah. offered him 400,000 a year. And I, I agree. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Ellis went potentially somewhere to like a, uh, a Brisbane. Um, I think it fit in very well on that Brisbane side. Um, and obviously, you know, if there's a a, few, a boy in the draft somewhere who is said that he won't go to Brisbane, um, that they may use that pick more wisely for someone like Nellis.
0: All very good points there, fellas. All right, we'll uh, we'll push on to the dreaded review of the round seven in game versus GWS, although so that we could just push it aside and keep talking and trade stuff for another twenty minutes potentially. Um, now, we'll talk about the game quickly. So, Richmond 10-17-77, lost to GWS 11-13-79 by two points. Uh, I was on record as posting that this was one of the most frustrating losses that I've seen. And I don't, it just really angered me, just because I felt we should have won. Um, our goal-kicking was horrendous. Uh, you don't want to point the finger at sort of individuals, but... Kesteven kicking zero five and, and one out in the full, and Bolton not even registering a score from forty to forty-five meters out in the dying moments. Just moments like that absolutely killed us. Uh, what did you boys make of the game?
2: Personally, I, I didn't see the game, and it sounds like a dodge, they, a bullet there. Um, I suppose it takes us back to the old Richmond. You know, there, there's as much of like I think it's dead. There's still a part of that Richmond that that comes back out of nowhere and, and reminds us. Maybe enduringly of where we've been, and how far we've come. But um, I didn't see the game, but the reports I've read on it um, were were not flattering. And obviously, Castagna kicking naught five. Sometimes you have games like that, um, but it's disappointing for for a forward who you know, marking and he can be quite fumbly, can be a negative. But he's always been accurate front of the scoreboard and very good at at getting on to the to the goals. Um, Bolton I'm not so surprised about I can't, I think I mentioned this before I can't work out where I sit with him whether I think he's going to be an absolute elite X-factor genius or delisting and playing waffle football in two years Um, games like this don't help him with the situation with the contract Uh, they don't help him coming into the side obviously when Rioli was out he wasn't first picked so it's not great for him that after all this time out that that he, he didn't step up um, and again I suppose for the interstate situation I don't read really into it as much as everyone else wants to I suppose it, it sells the papers to a degree but um, you know we only went down by two points I think Crocker game I mentioned I've on the board somewhere recently that I mean we're outplayed by Adelaide and we could have pinched that and we're comprehensively outplayed by West Coast but I mean we threw the game away against Port and um, and by sounds of it, we threw this game away. And to only go down by two points, one scrum to kick four could have been the difference. We could have won and suddenly, you know, it's not an issue anymore. Um, it doesn't read well. I don't think it's going to get into the players' heads because of this. Uh, and I don't fear going into state for a final. But uh, it, it's not good to have a loss like that. But um, we won a lot in a row. And I'm a believer in, in having losses at the right time. Uh, And this could just be a good reminder to the boys of the fundamentals of the game plan, the fundamentals of being a Richmond man, and how we got there last year. Um, And it's not going to be a walk in the park. And uh, I think if you're going to take any positives out of it, that it may just be one of those losses we needed to have. Um, And obviously, you know, uh, come back, regroup. Um, We got the Saints this week. I think this is the game to break the record at the MCG. Um, So we can get a game back on track. We're still top of the table. Um, We should have a very good win this week. Um, And from our obviously not seeing the game, as I said, my views on it were hopefully it's just a loss we need to have, but not good either way, but not as drastic as, as I thought it was when I first jumped on the autopsy thread. (laughs) <laughs> uh, for those who are listening, you know, you would have thought it was the uh, the Wallace days for a while, for a while there. But um, I, yeah, at risk of repeating myself a third time, I don't think it's the end of the world.
0: And Grock, what about yourself? Did you catch the game? What did you make of it all?
1: Uh, I watched the game. I watched the whole thing. Um, even though I was tempted for the first time ever to turn the actual game off. Uh, probably four or five times um, throughout the course of the night. Um, it's one of those ones where I think we all feel bad and think we, you know, we let a, a win slip through our fingers. But at the same time, I personally think that if we had have won that game, we would have stolen it. We wouldn't. I don't think we deserve to win at any stage. Um, Saturday night, I think GWS thoroughly outplayed us for probably two-thirds of the match. Um, I think it was mainly that burst in the second quarter and that burst during the last quarter that even had us in a remote chance of winning the game anyway. It was just outside of that, goal, uh, GWS just thoroughly thoroughly outplayed us. But like we look at... <coughs> oh, sorry about that. We look at um, Jason Castagna kicking zero five 5 and 1 or 2 out on the full. Um, at the time, I was livid that he missed those shots, especially that one after the high tackle in that last quarter where he's 25 out pretty much directly in front and missed. Um, but at the same time, you also have to look at it. He had 6 or 7 shots at goal. So he's getting into the positions where he's, he's um, having shots to score um, and it's one of those things. He was probably our most dangerous forward on Saturday night. He was just constantly in the right position, just just couldn't execute. So I think, as bad as Castaña's kicking was uh, last, uh, last Saturday, I think at the same time he does have uh, he does we do need him in the side. He he just offers us so much with his with his gut running and. Just, just finding space in in the forward line. I think he's probably one of the best players we have at just being able to get into a position where he can actually have a shot at goal. Um, but also, it's just if, once you
2: keep naught two as well on that point. Once you keep naught two, it gets into your head. Um, I'm not surprised in that yeah. with naught five. It's very hard to to when you're having an If if he just purely had an off day, you can't flip that switch during a game.
1: Yeah, and that, that, that's the biggest thing too. I think, I think we all know George is a better, uh, better shot at goal when he's running. Um, so I'm surprised that there were a few times he decided to go back with the drop hunt from his um, set shots. Uh, obviously, uh, when he does that, they do generally tend to go all over the place. He's usually a lot better when he can curl the ball around his body, either from a snap or, or a banana. So I think on that, as they, and I think they even mentioned it in the, in the broadcast on Saturday night with that one where he went back from 25 and missed that he norm- from those he would normally go back and sort of turn his turn 90 degrees away from the goal and then kick over his shoulder and put it through. And I think that just sort of summed up uh, George's night where he was so far in his head that he'd, he'd forget what Sort of got in a position in the side Um, Obviously Bolton Bolton had a quiet game Um, I think uh, I don't think the role that he played Saturday night really suits him Especially when you look at the role He was playing in the VFL when he was tearing it up He was playing more through the midfield And out on the wings rather than as a small forward And I I really don't think a small forward role Sort of suits shy at AFL level um, I, he's he's a lot. He's very creative, very quick, got great vision. He's pretty elusive, and I think those traits are wasted uh, away where he's playing as a small forward, marking target. I think he's better off pushing up the ground and and sort of using his awareness and and speed running towards goal rather than away from it on a lead to to the midfield. So, I think. Um, they, they misused Bolton badly on, on Saturday night. Um, I th- also think Higgins had a quiet game. Um, obviously, he's been pretty good the last couple of weeks, but I think it's just all that extra midfield time starting to catch up on him, um, catching up on him, and I think, I think he's due for a spell um, pretty soon. But in terms of players that played well, I thought Brandon Ellis had his best game for the year. Um, obviously, he had the 30 possessions and seven marks. Uh it was just really solid pushing up on the wing. Dustin Martin's hitting some form. Uh, obviously, he had the 29 and kicked one. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us is people saying that we don't have injuries. You know, it's one of those things mm. where it's, it, it's no just coincidence. Yeah. It's no coincidence that Dustin Martin's played his best couple of games this year when we've gotten Dion Prestia back because it's allowed him to be a lot more free. You know, he, he doesn't well. have to play as the... Yeah, Lambert, they're, they're getting so much better now that we've got Prestia back because Prestia, for me, is one of our most important players structure-wise. It just allows the other players to to play a lot more free and everything, and obviously Rioli coming back in the forward line... That's um, that's allowing players like Butler, even though he's injured, um, Castagna as well. It's allowing them to sort of push up the ground and and focus on their attacking game a lot more than their defensive game because Rioli is statistically our best uh, uh, def- um, our best defensive forward in terms of pressure acts and everything. And of course, we've also got um, also Jack Graham okay. missing. He's uh, he's he's actually rated. Uh, number two in the AFL for overall pressure racks so I think that makes a huge difference as well especially through the midfield where we have a look on Saturday night where we just got completely outplayed through the midfielder It, it just makes you wonder where if we had have had Jack Graham would Lockie Whitfield have had the 35 possessions would Cornelio have had the 30 possessions and kicked a goal would Taranto have had you know 23 and kicked two goals it's it's just the pressure that Graham brings just makes everyone a lot better, and like it's people what when they say Richmond don't have injuries, we don't have injuries to the extent that other clubs have in terms of the players that are uh, supremely classy. I mean you have a look at Collingwood with trelaw and and Jamie Elliott and players like that they're all really really good players, but the thing is we get injuries and they're they're only one or two week injuries for the most part but it just happens to be the players that are integral to our to our structure. Obviously, with Graham and and Broad, Broad. And, and Butler and stuff, they're just really they're all they're all part of one big machine. And it, as soon as you lose two or three pieces out of any mach, any machine, it's going to sputter. It's going it, to you know it's, it's just not going to work as well as it, it should. And I think that's the biggest thing when people say we don't have injuries. It's not we don't have injuries, it's we don't have the long-term injuries. But the injuries we do get are to players that are integral to our game plan.
2: And on top of that, I mean, Caddy would have been playing sore. Um, Hooley was straight back in after uh, four weeks out. As you said, Broad, Butler and uh, Graham missing. Um you know, it's it's been a bit of a makeshift side in the last few weeks, and you know, I'm hoping that they all come back, you know, together. But at the right time, like they did last year. But um, you know, we've had, as you said, a lot of key people miss certain things, and you know, we are we're, we're playing a bit sore at the moment, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, maybe Caddy has a rest soon leading to the finals maybe someone like a Stengel gets in who I can't seem to think what more he can do um, uh, and of course maybe give someone a a, a run in to give Naker an rest for the same reason so I, I absolutely agree I mean the, the, the fair thing we don't have injuries is is uh, is just absurd We, as you said we don't have the class injuries when I mean, we touched wood, cochin hasn't gone down and Dusty was sort of playing sore but not not totally injured and um, you lose two or three guys out of a game style of vows. Um, they're very hard to place And I think a lot of these guys are extremely underrated. I mean, Grimes is almost becoming so under, um, underrated. He's overrated. He's kind of getting towards Cyril territory at the moment. Um, but he's, he's underrated. I mean, broad, I think even by some of our own guys don't really take in what he brings to the club and what he brings to the, the game. I've been a big fan of him for a long time. Um, you know, uh, he's massive. I mean, Butler's massive in the forward line. Rioli was just huge to the, the way it functioned. Um, and Caddy, I mean, you take Caddy out of that forward line and, and, and Dusty becomes less potent. You take Pressier out and he becomes even less potent. Um, so it, it's the key guys come in and, like, as you said, Lambert's just beautifully worked his way back in form since Pressier's come come back inside and... I'm a bit surprised at how integral he is and what a difference he he makes to the overall balance of the side. So I think the idea went have for uh injuries is, is a bit bit odd, but um I agree completely and touch wood, these guys start start to fall back in. As you said, they're one to two week injuries, which I think's the fortunate thing, and as we said before, that's entirely on the fitness staff. Um, they they probably don't get the, the credits they deserve for keeping. Yeah. I think I think you would agree. I think the only real long term injuries were Hampton, his was degenerative. Um, Marrick who who just hit old age as a footballer, and Drummond and Brioli at the
1: start of the season, yeah,
2: with the broken foot, and and Drummond who's who's done two ACLs, and I think one of them was in his debut, and the other one was in his second game back from it. So yeah, you, you know that that's that's not luck. That's precise training
1: regime
0: yeah spot on it's it's just good player management
1: yeah it's just great player management if and i think that that all comes back down to sort of the honesty sessions at the club players now aren't you know afraid to speak up and say you know i'm not feeling good this week i'm sore here you know this this isn't working for me stuff like that and i think the club's Pretty good at you know just if if a player isn't a hundred percent just giving them that that little week off give them a give them a chance to sort of you know get it a hundred percent right rather than you know roll the dice take the risk and hope that you know it doesn't get exacerbated or they don't do any further damage and I think that's a that's a mantra that we've taken especially over the last couple of years where we don't take the risks of players I mean we saw
0: um All right, so just so everyone can catch up, my headset died, so whatever they were talking about prior, I've got no idea. So I think they are talking about the last little bit of the injuries uh, that we've had and how it affects the team. So where did you guys get up to with that bit before I cut out?
2: Just speaking about hauling the honesty towards the members about where he's at and that selflessness about injuries and how that's coming through the whole club. And and as Grot was saying, you know, we would have rushed guys back a few years ago, but now... um, now you know we, we learnt those mistakes, and and I think there's probably a man for of giving you know an extra week could be an extra five years on their career. I think you probably see that with Delidio now.
0: Yeah, it's um. Well, he played a, played a game in the kneeful the other the other week, so he's getting back on back on track. But yeah, I think you're right. The, the honestly, our guys have had to put their hand up. Even Asprey when he hurt his foot against Port. Uh, I think he got to late during yep. that week, and he, he said to the club, "Look, I'm not right to go," and, and pulled pulled out of the game for that weekend. So, whereas you'll find a lot of other players, some other clubs will, I'll call it a selfish thing, but they'll put their hand up and try and get themselves out in the park, and it can actually hurt you more than benefit you.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. And and as when I was playing footballs, certainly wanted to play through injuries to play, um, and towards the end of the seasons, leading in the finals. I mean, I was I was that banged up. I was barely training, and um, you know, would suffer for it. Um, so I know what it's like to be playing through the injuries, and you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Then your body gives out, and that was local football. So I can only imagine how you know how they'll be feeling it at the top flight.
0: Absolutely. All right, we'll push on to our game this week. We're playing on Friday night, round 18 versus St Kilda. Wait, um, you mean it's not Carlton? No. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. It'd be nice to play them twice with the way they're going at the moment. But uh, the Saints have hit a little bit of form. I think they've won three of their last four, I think it is, starting to play the way they want to be playing, which is good for them, obviously. Uh, and um, they obviously touched us up last year in a similar round. So it'll be interesting to see how we go up against them this time. What are you what are you guys thinking about this game? Are we Is it something that we should not pencil in, but we should all feel pretty confident that I'll we should... I'll put your house should... on it. We should be able to be good enough to win this game bouncing back from a loss, shouldn't we?
2: Put your house on it. Gamble responsibly. Put the lot on. (laughs) I think we got this one, like, wrapped up nicely, I think. The Aints may not even bother rolling in because, uh, you know, it'd only be disappointing. And unfortunately for their fans, we can't discount this game for you. Um, you know, but, uh, I think... In all seriousness, I think it's be a very comfortable win for us, um... Obviously, it's at the MCG, I think,
0: is it? No, idiot. Oh,
2: Eddie okay. Head. Well, I still think we'll win very comfortably there. I think the Saints have had good form, but I mean, the size they've played, um, outside of a very nice win against Melbourne, um, have not been overly impressive. Um, I think we, we've, we you know, we're not the sort of team to drop to a game to St Kilda. I mean, it last year, I know, but I don't think we'll do it again. Um, and I, I think we'll I think we'll win this one quite comfortably. Um, I think St Kilda will make a good fist of it, but I think we do our usual trait of of blowing the second half out out the water.
0: Is that similar thoughts for yourself, Croc?
1: Yeah, I'm a little nervous on this game. I think these are the sort of type Don't of games it. that that are really that are really dangerous games uh, for us because St Kilda are fighting for their season, I mean, they can still technically make finals if... Where's Pasquale um, if, when you
2: need him? Yeah. Because if you're if they
1: stuff. are, yeah. Yeah, they, they can still sort of make finals. There's still a mathematic possibility. So they're going to come out, no doubt, and that they've actually been in some decent form, as you said, over the last month. So it's one of those ones where I'm a little bit wary of what they could do, sort of like I was... Um, Last year with this game, it's it's one of those things. Especially at had it's, an, it's a variable for us. Whereas St Kilda know how to play play that ground. It's obviously their home ground, so it, it's one of those things where I would expect us to have a comfortable win. But at the same time, football these days that uh, it's just getting a lot a lot more even the competitions, and anyone can be any side can beat any other side on their day, except maybe Colton. Uh, they're not going be, <laughs> to beat anyone soon because they can't play themselves. So, um, I, I think any I think uh, as on their day, any side can knock over anyone, and we've seen quite a few upsets this year. So, as I said, I'd probably expect a comfortable win um, on Friday night, but at the same time, it wouldn't be the end of the world if we lose. Although, I do I do expect us to win. Um, obviously, we need to win to keep. Uh, the top two the uh, the gap between the top two with us and West Coast and keep Collingwood and Port Adelaide at bay um, but we do have a pretty decent run home with games at the MCG as well so it, it's just one of those things I do expect a, a good win but yeah I
0: mean their midfield's sort of come back into a bit of form with uh, Steele, Stevens, yeah. and Billings come back in he's got 30 plus disposals and,
1: uh, yeah Armitage is, has hit some form. I think he had 30 and kicked four. Was it last week or the week before?
0: Yeah, I think it was the week before. So he, he's finding form The first form as time well, we played yeah. them, he was getting smashed from pillar to post by St Kilda people that he was slow and um, needed to be delisted and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, he started to come into some form as well. So. And then, then well, of course, you've think...
1: got the live wire, Jade Gresham
0: up forward. Oh, and has just in some a, red hot game form. Every he smashes us, it's unbelievable.
2: Well, the and weird thing when we play Merlin in the yeah. year is how he kicked six, but Saint Kilda were barely sighted. I mean, and it felt like he kicked six out of nowhere. Um,
0: so,
1: it, it, uh,
0: do you think Grimes goes to him?
1: Or I do, yeah. Grimes for me,
0: yeah. I yeah. Grimes as well.
1: But yeah, the, I think the, I think, Rush, think... just scares me because when he kicked six on us earlier in the season, he wasn't in anywhere near the form he was in coming into this game. And it's like, if he's got his tail up now and he looks back and says, I kicked six against this mob last time, it's just one of those things where he's going to be full of confidence and whether or not he can actually put that into effect, um, is a different story, but I think he's probably the biggest danger for us on, on Friday night.
0: And what about changes for our side? Um, I mean, there's been people calling for Corey Ellis to be dropped. I know he didn't shoot the lights out, but he was our second highest rated pressure player, and we know that Dimmer rates that stat pretty highly. Um, Bolton obviously wasn't, you know, the best he could have been, especially when he got Stengel and the VFL who kicked six goals. Are there any possible changes from our end, or do we go in unchanged and back the guys in for another week?
2: Personally, I think unless anyone is coming back from injury, I think we leave them. I mean... As I said, I think Stengel's probably been very unlucky not to get a go and I wouldn't mind seeing him come in for Bolton. Um, but that's a, a personal change, a personal preference change more than anything. And uh, I think probably leave it as is. And, you know, maybe someone like Bolton just needs a couple of weeks to get a get a feel for it. But uh, I, I, I think probably leave it as is. I've uh,
1: got three changes for the side. Uh, for Friday night. I've got um, Bolton out for Stangle. I've yes. got Corey, Corey Ellis out for Conor Uh He's actually been in some pretty decent form um, in the VFL, and I think he probably offers us more at AFL level than what uh, Corey Ellis does at this stage. And I've actually got uh, Jack Higgins out and I've got a man crush on this lad, and I really want to see him debut, but I've got Jack Higgins out for Liam Baker. I think Liam Baker...
2: Would,
1: mm. I, 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 Liam Baker's actually been in some pretty decent form at VFL level, and he's, he's just one of these uh, players. He's really smart with the ball. He's he's quick. He's nippy. He, he, he goes hard when he needs to. He's hard at the ball, hard at the man. And I think uh, Friday night would probably be a good game to ease him into it because... Uh, Saint Saint Kilda's midfield slow and aging, and I think it's one of those games where he'd be able to utilise his his assets, where you know his pace and his his skills. So, and I think I think Jack Higgins is probably due uh, due for a rest anyway. So, I wouldn't mind mm. bringing um, Baker in as well. So, they're they're probably my three
0: changes uh, for the, the only, game. The only other I was going to jump I'd in, boys. I um, oh, go. On.
2: I was going to jump in say so I'm just going to have to, to jump off but uh, thank you very much for having me on again and everyone who's listening and will listen thank you for hearing my Dolphs tones for another week no worries
0: uh, thanks for coming
2: on I'll see you guys around very soon
0: Watch your cheers passion. guys you go, what's your tip for the game
2: yeah. uh, Tigers by I'm going to do a uh, I'm going to do a, a Shazza here Tigers by a million
0: by a million okay no worries
1: cheers guys go Tigers
0: see you mate Yeah, the... uh, What
1: was your change uh, for the game?
0: uh, Yeah, the only other change I'd written down was Castagna to change his boots to some goal-kicking boots would be preferable. Yes,
1: uh, Castagna to get uh, uh, Jacob Townsend's uh, right foot.
0: Yeah, that'd be That would be But like you said, Baker's been in some pretty good form in the VFL, and from all reports, if you go by Dinner's Press conferences, he was pretty close last week so maybe it is time to bring him in, and um, yeah, Higgins, I suppose, could do with a, with a bit of a rest, but yeah, it's interesting to see what they go with, but I, I still would love to see Stengel come in at some stage, I think his form in the VFL has so, been pretty exceptional.
1: I mean, he had six on the weekend, so I think that's, uh, that's a pretty hard sort of number to ignore um, on the weekend, especially on a... Uh, especially on a sort of rainy sort of day where it was, you know, very blustery and the conditions weren't all that great. So I think that uh, for Stengel to kick six in those conditions, I think that warrants a game, especially given how good he's been over the past four or five weeks as well. And Bolton didn't exactly set, you know, the world on fire. And I think it's it's one of those positions where you need to perform uh, each week or a, otherwise, you know, we've got players in the VFL who are all performing week in, week out. And obviously Bolton didn't have a great match and Steng, he got the got the nod ahead of Stengel uh, this week. So I, I think Stengel probably should get the nod ahead of um, Bolton this week.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. Well, interesting we to see what the has come up with, so... Just a reminder: the game is on this Friday night, Etihad Stadium at 7:50 PM, and we're live on Channel Seven and Foxtel from 7:30. Uh, Grokkerdoc, thanks so much for coming on, mate, and obviously the landlady, uh, thank just, you for his time as well. Just my tip. Oh, your tip, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Richmond by uh, 51, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon
1: and we'll, probably be really
0: cool. Yeah, I reckon we'll win by anywhere between 30 to 35 would be nice, but just getting the four points and. Creating that gap, like you spoke about earlier on, with the with the top four would be the main priority, really.
1: Yeah, just just maintaining that 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 sort of game buffer. Obviously, um, if we get the if obviously if we get the win this week, uh, we'll, we'll be a, a game clear of um, Collingwood, and then we've got Collingwood the week after. So that becomes a game where, where we could either be sort of equal with Collingwood, or we can go two games clear of them. So I think this game really does sort of... This this is a really important game in, the, in that regard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully the players treat it accordingly and they don't come in here um, taking them lightly. Because, like you said, anyone on their day, uh, maybe Bar Carlton, can beat anyone else. So if the boys don't come switched on, they're in for a world of hurt. But uh, I'm pretty sure that they sort of know what's at stake. And I'm sure they'll be pretty dirty about the loss to the Giants and they'll bounce back. Yep. Well, thank you again, Grok, for coming on and to Lounge Lizard. You, you did have to duck off a little bit earlier. Uh, sorry about all the technology issues I had with the headset cutting out halfway through. Hopefully I can edit it seamlessly, although I'm, I highly doubt it, but we'll see how it goes. But uh, thanks again for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Um, great, great. It's always great fun. So thank you so much. Mm.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Tiger Tigercast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!